Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin because the sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for god the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me. So as we continue to think about being poor in spirit, I want us to look at Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. And I think this is a wonderful example of what it means to be poor in spirit. So one helpful way to engage with the text is as you're reading through a story, try and enter into the experience of the different characters. So let's think of a minute about the centurion. So who were they? They were the backbone of the Roman Empire. They were directly accountable to the Roman generals who were directly accountable to the emperor. Now, there was not a significant Roman military presence in 
Galilee until 66 AD. So he's probably a retired military man. He's probably extremely wealthy, um, probably a generation after Caesar's army, but the way the emperors would reward their soldiers would, would give them land and provinces. And so he's probably the most powerful man in the region, very much a big fish in a small pond. And he's a warrior. He is extremely skilled at taking life, but here he finds himself in a position where he can take it, but he can't grant it. And then now um, he also is a man who's under authority. He recognizes that, which really reveals his character. I mean, in many ways, he's an extremely admirable person, one of the most admirable people in the Gospels, because he's under authority with position of power, but he's not a tyrant. He recognizes that he's one under authority, a steward. He's virtuous. He's generous. He's good. You know, it's very unusual for the Jewish leaders to be fraternizing with the Roman centurions, but he built the synagogue. That means he recognizes the centrality and the need for religious education and the worship of the Lord in a community. The synagogue would have been the city center, the central place in the community. So he's virtuous, he's generous, he's good, but notice he's also helpless. The servant turns to him on his deathbed, but what can he do? And you can see the major point in the story with the volley of he is worthy I am not worthy. This is why I think he illustrates being poor in the spirit so beautifully because he's, he, he in one sense has everything the world would promote. Say you need to have, he has position, he has power, he has wealth. And the elders of the Jews believe that Christ, that God should act on his behalf because he deserves it. He deserves healing. He deserves help. He is worthy. But notice his self-perception. He says, I am not worthy. And that's what poverty of spirit is. It recognizes your dependence. It recognizes Jesus' authority and power, and it lives in the light of that. His remarkable statement is to Jesus, you just say the word. I recognize the power of your word. You just say it. And what's so fascinating is it's right next door to the synagogue he built where the men came in through the roof and dropped the man down at Jesus' feet. And then the maybe these same Jewish leaders were asking, what authority does Jesus have to forgive sins? No one can do that but God alone. And here he is. He's seen what Jesus can do. He's recognizing his authority, and he's recognizing the power of his word. See, that's the key for being poor in spirit. You recognize, I am not worthy, but Jesus is. It's all about how you see Jesus and how you see yourself. Do you see him as great and his word as powerful and you as humble and lowly? Or do you see yourself as great and it's your word that's powerful and it's his job to exalt and serve you? And I love Jesus's response. There's only two times in the Gospels where Jesus marvels. One, he marvels at the unbelief in his hometown of Nazareth, and then he marvels at the centurion's faith. You see your own unworthiness. You're willing to take 
risk for the people you love who are in need. You're willing to take Jesus at his word and you have confidence in his power and in his commands. That is what it means to be poor in spirit. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.